Hey, welcome to the Street Shots podcast. We're the Switch to Manual guys, and I'm Antonio. And I'm Tom. Good morning, Tom. Hey, Antonio. How you doing? Is it morning where we are? It is morning. Yeah. It is the morning. Yeah. Well, other people might not be listening in the morning, so good day to you all. (laughs) (laughs) So this is our 14th episode, and we thought we would talk about exposure. So we entitled it Expose Yourself. Expose Yourself. You can say that so many different ways. Expose Yourself. Or Expose Yourself. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that fits with some of what we're going to be saying today because exposure can be a way to further your creative expression when you bring your creative energies to your photography. You know, it was occurring to me, Antonio, I think like there's this image that we probably all have of somebody preparing to take a photograph and holding up the light meter. At least I remember this from my childhood. You know, my friend's dad was actually a photographer for National Geographic. And I recall he would pull out his light meter and, you know, take a very careful reading and then he would start shooting. And of course, that's in part a function of film being expensive and you want to get your exposure just right. But I think now part of what we're going to be talking about today is that that since we're not buying a lot of expensive film and you know we have greater flexibility to to be creative with exposure and we're not just going necessarily for some sort of ideal mathematically precise exposure i mean sure sometimes we want a real solid exposure just so it doesn't look too bright or too dark but other times we're we're trying to do something creatively, you know, express ourselves by letting there be a lot of light or less light and creating a mood kind of thing. Yeah, and you mentioned this idea, this this device called a light meter. You know, you used to hang it around your neck and then you'd measure the light falling onto different subjects. And, you know, even though your camera had a light meter in it, you can use this external light meter and, and be able to measure the light. And because it was an analog light meter, because you saw the exposure dials on it you could make judgments about the way the light was falling on the subject for some reason that analog dial would really help you be able to judge the light you know sort of like looking at an analog clock i don't know if you've noticed this the difference between an analog clock and a digital clock the analog clock you you have it like a scale and you can see the time before and after it's not just reading you know 243 and 14 seconds you can see the whole face of the clock. And the same thing with a light meter. Those old light meters had these dials on it. And you could sort of make relationship ideas with this light meter. And like you're saying, there wasn't always one perfect exposure. You were exposing something to perhaps set a mood or to create something in the picture that wasn't just a recording of the light. Right. So what what kind of things do you do, Antonio, in terms of uh, letting a little bit more light in or less light, like depending on what type of shot you're going for, does anything come to mind creatively in terms of how you think of that? Yeah. And lately I've been shooting mostly with a camera that records JPEGs and RAW files simultaneously. And I've been using a lot of the JPEG features, which is really strange for me because I'm always the guy who's saying, you got to shoot raw, you got to shoot raw. And I always shoot raw as well, but this time I'm using it as a backup. And now I say this because the exposure is going to affect the final JPEG file. And I try to use that as my final picture with this camera. It's my Fuji X, 
100T. So what's really interesting about it is that the JPEGs react very similar to the way film did in the past, uh, and, and specifically transparency film or slide films. So, for instance, I, in, the, in the old days, I'm going to date myself, in the old days, I loved the film called Kodachrome made by Kodak. Who's Kodak, by the way? <laughs> Are they still around? <laughs> yeah. Kodachrome died a few years ago. And it was a beautiful film, and it reacted very well to being underexposed. Um, actually, it was pretty terrible when it was overexposed. But if you, if you underexposed it slightly, you would create a really interesting saturated color in the picture. So skies got a really interesting blue. Shadows would block up a little bit, and then almost become black. And lately, this Fuji camera, it has a simulation of Kodachrome built into it. So there's a JPEG feature called, it's called Classic Chrome. And so I've been slightly underexposing my pictures to try to recreate that old style of Kodachrome film in this new camera. And it's been succeeding. So there are certain styles of pictures, like especially in New York with the architecture and especially in the winter when the when the shadows are really heavy, I've been tending to underexpose mm-hmm. and create a real saturated kind of look. And it's saturated is almost not quite the right word because I'm thinking the colors are not really overly bright and garish. They're just rich. And when you darken the yeah, exposure yeah, a little there's bit. There's a depth. Yeah, when you darken the exposure a little, you add a little bit. Essentially, you're kind of adding some black to the color, and that gives it a richness. And it it really is something to see, and it sets a mood, you know. And if I was exposing, like a, there's a picture I have of a uh, a wall in in Red Hook that I shot, and it's a very colorful wall, and there was a shadow going across it, and it was blue sky, and I just shot it and I underexposed it, and the the shadow went black. And now you might think, well, a proper exposure would mean you know, you would want that shadow to have some detail in it. But I didn't want detail because it sets a mood. It gave me this it's this very urban, kind of mysterious, very abstract-looking kind of picture. If there was exposure in the black, you would kind of see the details of the wall, and you'd be like, okay, wait, it's just a wall of a warehouse. But by underexposing it, I created more of an abstract-style image. And the colors really got wonderful in it because I slightly underexposed the picture. I mean, what about you? I know that you've sometimes done some stuff with going the opposite direction. Yeah. Well, before I say that, I just want to comment on a couple of things you just said, because I think it's so important and so relevant to our whole enterprise of shooting in manual, you know, because I think, especially for a lot of people who are just starting out, you know, who are used to running around and just something catches your eye and you take a picture if your camera is on full auto, then you're just you get what you get. You know, the camera is trying to find the the quote unquote proper exposure, and you get a sort a certain automated look. And of course, that's you know more likely going to lead to you getting the same kind of picture that ten thousand other people got. Whereas when you have switched to manual, and you're controlling, you know, you have the the freedom and the power and the agency to let more light in or block more light out, then you can start to, you know, ask yourself these kinds of questions. You know, what might I want to try here? Like you're talking about these situations where, you know, by lowering the amount of light, the colors become richer, the whole image becomes moodier. And I just want to, you know, point out what it is that you're doing. So, mm-hmm. you know, other other folks can try that. Yeah, and on, on the other end of the continuum, I, I think in general my bias – 
probably to a fault, meaning that I, I do it too much, is that I, I'm on the other end of the continuum by letting a lot of light in all the time. And sometimes that works well. You know, I, I took that shot um, in Southern Manhattan by City Hall the other day that I was really happy with. And, you know, it was like those big arches and it was magnificent architecture. And there's so much that was going on with the light. And it's sort of, I don't know, it just had this kind of majestic feel. And that was one of the things that, you know, we want to touch on today is just that the light can be such a, a, a powerful indicator, you know, can send such a powerful message in terms of the overall mood and feeling of an image. So in general, I mean, it's sort of like medieval painting, you know, the, the light is just going to invoke this kind of transcendent spiritual kind of energy and the darker end of the continuum is going to be sort of more of a brooding kind of ominous kind of feel, which sometimes can be quite powerful. I mean, if you're photographing a landscape and there are some big thunderclouds coming in, I mean, you don't want to overexpose that because you're going to, you're going to lose the sky, you know? So yeah, there's definitely times when, when you're going to want to go towards one, one direction or the other. And, but in general, yeah, I, I tend to overexpose there. There's a guy who runs a camera store on Cortelio Gabe, who you probably know, Antonio. Yeah. Um, what a character. And he's been photographing forever. Yeah. He's a real character. And, He's been at it for quite some time, and uh, one day he was saying that, you know, he was uh, starting, he'd gotten in the habit of using a pretty high ISO, like around 800 for even daytime shooting, and just compensating with higher shutter speeds and higher apertures, and so I I started doing that, you know, and it's fun, I think, and interesting in general, you know, I find, and again, this is my bias, I like to let a lot of light in, and and then oftentimes, you know, you're... I'm metering for the subject, so if I'm shooting a person or some kind of something out in the wild, you know, I I, I want to see my subject, and then you know, other other stuff, other aspects of the image are going to kind of diminish in importance, and mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes after the fact, I'll, I'll play around with the exposure and post production and see what it looks like to bring in more of the background. But like even for wedding shots, you know, I've there's a couple that does wedding photography that has impressed me. And, and I, I've noticed they tend to lean towards overexposing. And sometimes it, it just, I don't know, it, again, it adds to a lightness. And for a celebratory occasion, that can really, that can really work. Yeah, you're saying that it's very, very much part of the mood of the, of the picture that you're trying to create. I mean, it's hard-pressed to think of a wedding photographer who underexposes and makes it very dark doesn't mean there aren't out there and you can't create beautiful pictures by it. But like I, when I think of a wedding picture, yeah. I think of bright, you know, or like if, uh-huh. I, yeah. if I went to the Brooklyn Botanic Gardens to photograph, I tend to also overexposure. I think of the flowers and the brightness and the, and just the airiness that light colors bring. Again, it's, it's, we're sort of tapping into something primal, about us and and going back for a second, yeah. you mentioned the medieval things. The first thing I thought about was like a Rembrandt portrait. I mean, they're beautiful portraits. I want to say they're underexposed, yeah. but you know, it's that dark, somber. It feels heavy and weighted. And again, not a judgment call on it. It's just yeah, trying to sometimes say something. that works. 
Yeah, it's saying something different about the person. I'm trying to picture Rembrandt's, you know, self-portrait of him very bright. It wouldn't have the same mood. It, it wouldn't make it, it would make it a completely different image. And by the way, I also, you know, I always recommend, and I haven't been in a while, but going to an art museum and looking at paintings and thinking about them like photographs and whether they're, how they're exposed. You know, what is it that, you know, we always look at pictures, right? But go to museums, uh-huh. you know, I always... I owe myself a trip to the Metropolitan Museum. We're so lucky that we live in the city that has these things. And, you know, anybody who's listening, go to the go to the museum and look at paintings, you know. Don't look at photographs. Look at the paintings and, and think about how they're exposed and see what kind of mood they're. And then you think of a, I don't know, a Picasso image. I don't know if a Picasso is really an exposed image. <laughs> it's kind of sort of all over mm-hmm. the place. But you get what I'm saying, you know. Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's on the right track with Rembrandt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And which brings up another thing, you know, like talking about exposure there, you know, of course you can get some really cool shots by just dealing with the exposure of say a, a one particular light, you know, like I remember that time I was in new Orleans and, and I, I met this artist and we went to this bar where another artist's work was on the wall and and there was just it was it was overall it was pretty dark but there was a couple of bright lights and he i positioned him under the bright lights so that he was really illuminated and then everything else just had kind of a dreamy underexposed thing so especially at night when you're dealing with artificial lights there's so much you can do that's creative and fun and making use of the light that you have and you know manipulating that some if if you want to if you need to but it's not necessarily all about just making a situation really bright or really dark but there's all kinds of creative you know in between things that can happen right and and as you're saying that i'm thinking about photographing someone with backlighting you know and this is where using manual controls really comes into play because often you've got someone against a window and your camera is looking at it and saying i want to expose for the window which is brighter usually than the person in front of it and so you end up getting this nicely exposed outside window, but the person is in silhouette. And, right. you know, a couple of ways. Here we go. We're back in the city. I can hear the sirens. <laughs> a couple <laughs> of ways of fixing that is to throw some light on the subject in the foreground, you know, maybe a flash, which can usually look terrible because it's a flash in their eyes. Or, you know, you use on most cameras have exposure compensation. So you're telling the camera, say, look, you know, I know you want to expose for the window, but I want you to expose more for the person in the front. And what ends up happening is the window begins to overexpose. So you don't see what's outside, but then the person starts to lighten up. And again, that sets a different feel. I mean, there's nothing wrong with doing silhouettes either. You know, someone's, someone's silhouette, their, their profile against the window can say one kind of picture, but them looking at you and the window going bright, 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 almost white, and them themselves lightening up can say something yeah. totally different about the person. You yeah, can do that, that. Can and that's be a great really ex- cool sorry. Shot. Yeah, and it's a great experiment. You know, do the same shot twice. Do a silhouette and do a an overexposed picture of them in front of a window and see what those two pictures are going to say something different about the same person. Yeah. And again, it's, it's another advantage to shooting in manual, you know, because what, what you can do in that situation, um, and it's a super helpful trick is just meter your camera, um, away from that window to just some random object in the room and get it at the right exposure. 
And then if you're in manual, those settings aren't going to change when you turn the camera towards the bright light. You're going to get the person properly exposed. And then, and like you say, the background will just be blown out. But that can be a great look. And, you know, you, it's more the rare creative artistic exception when you want to get a funky silhouette. Generally, you want to see the person you're shooting. And yeah. the background is less important. Yeah, I was going to say, in, in regards to that, not only just turn your camera away, but a lot of cameras have the ability to turn on a spot meter so that uh -huh. you're, you're targeting a very small part of your viewfinder. And so you put that little target on the person's face, and the, and the camera meter is only going to read that person. So it's going to sort of ignore the window uh -huh. and will expose for the person's face, which will end up the same result. But not every camera's got a spot meter on it. So, you know, you have to look to see if your camera's got that. And if, if it doesn't have yeah. it, then you do what you're saying. You could just sort of move off to the side. And, and you could even record your hand. If you put your hand up close, if your hand is in sort of the same light as the person, you can use your hand as a, as a good indicator. But that's also, that was a perfect time to use a light meter, um, an external light meter in the old days. I and mean, you could still buy light meters, but you would actually take your light meter, put it up to the person's face, and you'd be reading the light that's falling directly on their face, and then you'd use that and translate it onto your camera. But I wanted to also say that before I was mentioning that I shot JPEG and RAW, and you were saying about doing some of this in post-processing, and you can do some exposure correction in post-processing. You can go up and down, but it's always best, in my opinion, to, to do it correctly when you're shooting. And it's another good reason to shoot RAW because, I mean, for me, if I'm shooting JPEG and RAW and I want to use the JPEG, and it looks good, then I'm done. Then I'm sending the picture off to, you know, the client or my family or whatever. But if I have that raw file and the, and the JPEG didn't come out, I can go back and post-process and make some adjustments with the exposure and do some of the same things we're talking about. I can overexpose or underexpose, you know, in Photoshop or Lightroom and create these effects that we're talking about that we were going to do in camera. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so much you can do, and you are a master at post-production stuff. <laughs> I think it might be worth, seriously, dude, I think it might be worth you just saying a little bit about that, what can be done and which which controls you tend to prefer to to play around with an image. But I think your the general point is a really good one that, you know, the, although we can do all these things in post-production, the better the original image, that the better off you're going to be. And it's a real mistake to get to get lazy and to think, oh, well, I can just kind of tweak the lighting later. When you know, I I really feel strongly that it's such an important part of the creative process. You know, I mean, especially if you're, uh, I mean, sometimes that something's time sensitive and you have one opportunity to take something. But if you're shooting and spending some time, you know, in a, in a garden or in a museum or wherever, and, and you can be looking at the back of your camera, seeing what you're getting, making adjustments. And, and then, you know, of course there's always going to be some fine tuning that you're, you're going to want to do later, but definitely a good idea to try to get what you're after, you know, through the, the act of shooting. Yeah, and, and one of the ways to do that um, while you're shooting is m all cameras, now, all digital cameras have what's called the histogram on the back. And you can look at a picture after you've taken it and look at this thing called the histogram. And some cameras will actually give it to you live while you're shooting. A lot of the new mirrorless cameras will actually be able to display the histogram on the back on your LCD while you're shooting. Uh, it can get a little complex while you're looking at it, but it can give you an idea of the exposure. And we could do a whole episode on, on a histogram, and I don't want to get into the technical thing, but the basic 
principle about a histogram is showing you exposure and it's just showing you how many light pixels are in the picture and how many dark pixels in the picture and then everything in between and it's like a little chart it's like a little you know wall street chart on the left is dark pixels and on the right is light pixels and if that little chart goes too far one direction or the other it gives you an idea whether the picture is going to be tending to be overexposed or underexposed so that's a very good guide while you're looking at your image to see if the image data is actually you know there's too much light or too little light but i wanted to just say that getting it right when you're shooting is the best thing you know if you overexpose the picture too much even if you shoot raw you might lose detail you know, so you want to make sure you don't go overboard. And if you underexpose too much, you might lose detail as well. But again, it might be the look you're going for. So always be aware of like what you're doing, what you're, what is it, what are you trying to say in the picture? You know, and you can you can think about it later in post production. You might think of a picture that when you were shooting it was kind of somber, but when you get back and you're looking at it, you say, well, you know what? What if I swap it around a little bit? What if I make it lighter? Does it does it change the mood? Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad you're mentioning the histogram. You know, it's 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 another important source of information. And while you don't want to become a slave to, you know, any one technical source of feedback, your light meter, the histogram, um, whatever the camera's automatic settings might indicate, you can also, it's great to just to have all of that at your fingertips. You can put your camera and auto take a picture, see what the camera chooses. You know, you can look at your light meter, you can look at the histogram and sometimes that'll, that'll point out if, if, if you're way off, you know, you'll be like, Oh, okay. You know, the histogram's telling me I, I need to block out some light here and you can, you can make an adjustment. And of course you can always look at the back of your camera, see where you're getting and use all of those different sources of information to move the image in the direction that, that you want to go creatively. Yeah. And you know, you can also, I mean, we're gonna have to wrap up shortly, I think, but there are different ways for you to deal with the exposure you can do it with shutter aperture and ISO, but each of those has an effect on your picture. So you got to think about it. You know, if you're going to lighten your exposure by changing your shutter, well, if you're trying to capture something that's moving by changing your shutter speed, you might actually lose that ability to capture something in movement. And aperture has a lot to do with dealing with depth of field. So if you change your aperture while you're trying to adjust your exposure, you might change the focus of the picture a little bit. And ISO is just the, the sensitivity of the sensor. So if you change that for your exposure, you might end up increasing or decreasing the amount of noise in the picture. So there's always, you know, all this is about compromise. There's choices to be made. And all right. Be careful, Antonio. You're giving away our workshop now. <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> to, you have to come and learn the secrets of shutter aperture and ISO. Come to us and learn and, and, and become a better photographer. But all of this is about choice. And there's, I think what we were talking about is there's not one better choice than the other it's not there's not the perfect choice but you do when you make a choice you give something up you gain something and you give something up so you overexpose your picture you're making it lighter you're giving up sometimes you're giving up the chance to darken it and you're changing the mood and vice versa and these are the things we i think we try to tell people to be aware of when you're shooting rather than just picking up the camera and pointing it and taking a shot and, and going by what the camera meter says you want to think about what you're taking a picture of and you want to think about what you're trying to say. Yeah, and it's fun to be able to say different things and to and to play around. And and you know that's again that's the beauty of digital. You're not using a bunch of expensive film. You know you can try to overexpose, underexpose, see the kind of looks you get. Sometimes you'll surprise yourself by what you find, and then say, "Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know continue in this direction. This is really cool." Yeah. 
So I think we've gotten to the point where we need to say adios. No. <laughs> yeah. No. This is this right, is an ongoing. Yeah, who are we, Antonio? Yeah. Well, anyway, this is an ongoing discussion. I mean, again, all this stuff that we talk about, we're going to bring up again in in, in different contexts. But uh, I like this idea of exposing yourself, and you're exposing yourself. I mean, in a good way. <laughs> Don't. Don't do anything <laughs> illegal, please. <laughs> you know? Yeah, try this at your own risk. Right. Yes. Yeah. We don't mean literally expose yourself, right? Okay. Well. But we should we should reveal the details of who we are here, Antonio. Who yes. are we? Where can yeah. people find us? <laughs> okay, okay. So, yes. Yeah, so, I don't know if you guys know, but we've redesigned our website to bring it into the 21st century. So, you can check us out at switchtomanual.com. Give us some feedback. We're trying to make the site look really dynamic and uh, get your feedback on it. So go to switchtomanual.com. We're also Facebook people. Look for us at Switch to Manual. Give us the thumbs up if you like us. Please like us. Share and like. Facebook is yeah. a great place for us. Sharing is good. Sharing is good, yes. We're on Twitter at Switch, the number two manual. So Switch to Manual. And, you, you know, you can find this podcast on iTunes, I just realized. Well, we've got it on iTunes, and why don't you subscribe to us there and give us comments there, too, please. Good comments on iTunes helps us somehow, I think. I don't know how. but Yeah, and some of the comments have worked their way back into future episodes, um, so that, that gives us ideas, too. Yeah, so, you know, look for us on iTunes at Switch to Manual. And please, you know, you can always send us feedback at our email which is info at switch to so we're up for feedback and again suggestions for shows and information so those are the ways you can get to us and i just wanted to give a shout out to my buddy mark greentree at not another mac podcast um you can find him at not another mac podcast.com that's mac macintosh uh he's had me on as a guest a bunch of times and uh he's a big fan of our new podcast so and he's very supportive of us, of us, too, giving me tips and stuff about podcasting. So great shout out to Mark Greentree and not another Mac podcast. I'm so happy to be a guest on his show. And uh, we get to uh, gripe a little bit about Apple and their products. And, and in a good way, you know, in an educational way. And it's a lot of fun. So Mark is in Australia. It's great to have a international podcast with him. So I just want to give him a little call out there. Tom. Cool. Yeah, yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll have them bo both of us on the show someday. So that's it. All right. Until next time, I'm Antonio, and I'll see you. And I'm Tom. Adios. Adios.